This episode of Film Zack is brought to you by Casper, an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price because everyone deserves a great night's sleep. Get $50 off any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash filmsack and enter the promo code filmsack. Larry, just between you and me, we got a very serious problem with the people who are taking care of the place. They turned out to be completely unreliable assholes. Almond phoned me last night. And I'm supposed to go up there and find out if they have to be replaced. How long is it going to take you to get up here? Oh, about five hours. Poke postaliptic. <laughs> this is Film Sack. <laughs> Sure. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Film Sack. This is Film Sack mining the very inner, the very bottom of the roll of the thing. I can't think of it anymore. I've said it 343 times. I can't do it again. Uh, Here for episode 343. 343, everybody. 343. I'm Scott Johnson, joined by Brian Scatman Dunaway. Oh, perfect. (laughs) Oh, no. It's happening. It's happening. It's the sackening. Oh, hi. The little man who lives in my butt is back. He's telling me about this week's movie. Oh, by the way, I've never watched Film Sack movie in my life. I just say what my butt goblin Toby tells me. What's that, Toby? Okay, I'll tell them. He says, poor old head chef Scatman was just trying to enjoy some well-deserved rest in his bachelor pad down in Miami. Then that white boy invaded his headspace with his shining and what does scatman do <laughs> scatman do scatman scatman do hop a plane take a cab rent a snowcat brave a blizzard and wander the halls of the overlook hotel his reward an axe wound to the chest scatman should have just stayed in bed maybe spend a little more time staring at his sweet foxy mama posters oh yeah that is some sweet chocolate candy there Thank you, Toby, for your insight. Wow, it's almost like I pulled that intro out of my butt. Ah, where Toby lives. I love that his name's Toby. Oh, my gosh, that's great. Toby, my butt Uh, goblin. I'm glad you called you Scatman as well. That worked out nicely. Uh, Also with us, Randy, Tony won't let him talk about it. Jordan. Yes, aloha, Scott. Brian, Brian. Hi. Randy. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing oh. really well. Thanks for asking. It's uh, you guys never ask. Uh, it's it's nice. Um, we have good weather. Uh, like it was really hot a week ago, but we've got this like cold front in SoCal. Yeah. How's work going? Oh, I um, I you know I've had a lot of jobs, as you know, a lot of jobs over the years. But this one, this current one, probably the best. I think it's the best job I've ever had. I I'm really enjoying myself. And you know, scare, scare, book, scare, scare, book, scare, scare. Okay, why are you saying scare, scare, book? I have no idea what you're saying. This is not funny, guys. And now I have to clean that door. Oh. Why'd you write Scooscar Book with my lipstick? <laughs> oh, it's Kubrick sucks backwards. Oh, <laughs> oh that's terrible. Oh. oh, you're gonna get some emails for this one. All right, there you go. Well done. Finally, with us, Brian Red Bum Ibbit. 
<laughs> we're, uh, that, that was my nickname in high school. Yeah, uh, we're we're going to uh, continue with the two people talking thing here. Oh, the Toby. All right, <laughs> give us the Toby. Oh no no, it's a different different tack. All right. Hi, okay. uh, this is Brian Ibbett up at the Overlook. I'm the uh, caretaker for the winter months. Over. Ah uh, yes. Ah uh, uh, yes. What can I do for you? Over. <laughs> we'll do a different voice for that one. Yeah. Uh, I was wondering about the roads in this blizzard. Over. Yeah, we've had to close them, I'm afraid. The weather's got them totally snowed over, over. <laughs> I noticed that. There's at least a foot and a half in the back lawn, and I've lost my dog, Rover, over. <laughs> yeah, but all this moisture will be good in the spring. I love the smell of clover, over. <laughs> That's six months away. I'm freezing, and I didn't do a good job of packing. I forgot to bring a pullover, over, over. Uh, well, I'm afraid you won't be able to drive in this. If I see you on the roads, I'm going to pull you over, over. That sucks. I was hoping to go into town. I was going to pick up one of those newfangled hinged frying pans to make my breakfast. The hinge makes cooking your eggs over easy. Easy. Over. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well done, all three of you. My goodness, today. This I'm is oh, glad, top, I'm glad top of the walk. I, I, I'm impressed. You weren't the only. I'm glad I'm the only person with the over problem. Yeah. I'll have you. Uh, once again, I have, to, I have to note, we did not coordinate this. I came really close to... A, a radio conversation. Did you really? <laughs> and decided the finger talking was way was for whatever for whatever reason really caught my imagination. The finger mm -hmm. talking. Mm -hmm. yeah. it, I don't know. It kind of reminded me of being a kid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, when I was uh, I was very young when I saw this for the first time, and the finger thing didn't bother me at all. It seemed normal, kind of for a kid to be. You know, this is how he right. would express himself. I had an imaginary friend named Peter. Long story. I'll tell it one day. <laughs> Peter. Uh, long story. <laughs> Peter Longstory was his name. Um, yeah. and uh, But this is a case where, Randy, you've never seen The Shining until now. So this must have, he must have graded on you worse than he graded on me because it really annoyed me. I couldn't stand it every time he talked to his finger. Drove me nuts. How did oh, really? On, yeah. How did it land on Randy is the question. Did we lose Randy? We've lost Randy. Randy pretty hard. Randy, <laughs> Randy is so... Randy's visiting Toby right now. Yeah, he's so... Tony, Tony. <laughs> Let's see. Why well, he's still showing there? Is he just muted? Randy, you there? Can you hear us? Skype update is making yeah. me crazy. It's a good Skype update. It's quality, high quality Skype update. Fresh, grade A, government approved, high quality Skype update for Randy. I I somehow muted myself, and it took me a, that long to figure out how to unmute myself, <laughs> yeah, and it's right on the screen. I've done that before. It's like Control M. You were probably doing something. I don't know. Yeah, they change stuff without. They change stuff without documenting it. So welcome to the yeah. world of the wonderful world of Skype. So, so Randy, your first okay, time, so, first yes, watching. My yes. first time, my first time watching this film and probably my last. Oh, I, oh come on, I, man. <laughs> All right. It's, uh, it's just, it's too long. It's like, it's like someone uh, took a Stephen King movie and tried, mm. you know, oh. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, but, but I, I, I mean, the, we've watched Stephen King movies on film sack before and, sure. and we've and, watched Kubrick movies before. Sure. Wait, yeah, sure, wait, sure. Did we, I, what'd we see that was Kubrick? Have we seen a Kubrick movie? Yeah. 2001, right? Or was it? Uh, no, we, we saw 2010. Late. We saw 2010, the year we made contact, which was wait, not directed we've by We've seen him. Kubrick on film sack. Surely. Come on. I would think so, but we I, haven't. I don't think we have. We no. Yeah. Eyes wide shut or, uh, um, full Metal, no, no, it was the other one, right? There, he did Full Wasn't Metal Jacket. Jacket, yeah, yeah, Full Metal Jacket was yeah. his. Full Legend of Hell House. No, no I, don't think we have, I don't think we've seen any. We went Kubrick. Yeah, oh, really? it's not for lack of trying. We've meant to do the The Shining for a long time, anyway. It just happens this to be on Netflix, which is Kubrick great. The wall. Yeah, sure, sure. I, I just, I, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of Kubrick. Wait, wait, I, wait. He did, he, he kind of didn't he, didn't he uh, hang out with Steven Spielberg for Minority Report? Didn't he do some things with him on that? Yeah, but we didn't watch Minority Report. 
So right, he, yes, we did. Oh, I know. No, I'm no, thinking. I'm thinking of AI. No, you're sorry, talking sorry. About AI. Yeah, I'm he, thinking he, of AI. He inspired oh, AI. AI. Yes. No, he didn't just inspire AI. AI. He directed half of AI. Like that was a co-directing mm-hmm. uh, deal. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I'm sorry. He didn't get a credit. He didn't because he, he didn't died. Get, right. He didn't get credited by the Academy for directing or producing, but he did get a co-writing credit oh. on AI. I just looked this up. Well, he. Um, so wait. His, he, the, his, according to what I'm looking at here, it says. Uh, originally began with producer director Stanley Kubrick, and then he handed. Oh, you're right. Yeah, I I have yeah. all these years been under the impression that he was he was co-director, and they did like I could always tell which chunk was his and which chunk was Spielberg's. But I guess I had okay. It wrong. Well, that still but that still holds. And if you watch the the um you know the extras for artificial intelligence, there's all sorts of talk about this. This is exactly as it was. Don't you, know, you don't you storyboarded Kubrick. by Stanley Kubrick? Right, right. Don't you That's Kubrick what's... that title by making it artificial intelligence? It's AI on the cover box. A I thought it was, dot isn't I. it AI oh. A dot I dot artificial intelligence kind of like E dot T dot the extraterrestrial? Yeah, it is. There's two dots and then there's the thing below. It's absolutely there. Uh, but we'll probably never see that, guys. That movie is not great. It's okay, but, but it's but not to, great. But to, I just I just generally I'm not a I'm not the right audience for Stanley Kubrick. He's slow. He's really luxurious, which there's times that I like that. Um, uh, what's the uh, what's the movie where Michael Douglas is in Vietnam going down the river? That almost sounds now. like you're Michael, right. Michael it's Douglas. not a almost sounds like you're describing uh, uh, Deliverance. You're talking about apoc- a, you're Kubrick talking about film. Apocalypse Now, and you're thinking yes, of Apocalypse yeah, now. but you're thinking Francis Ford Coppola. But that's that's right, not right, right. Hold on, I that's like not Francis that's Ford not Douglas Coppola. though. By the way, that's uh that's Sheen. Right. That's Martin Sheen. But Mar- anyway, go Martin ahead. Sheen. Thank you. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the same guy. Uh, I I really like I I really like the parts of Apocalypse Now that are luxurious. So I'm not saying that I'm against this thing where you just you just put a camera on something beautiful and and let the music take you through the you know mm-hmm. trying to figure out what the director's showing you. I get that. Mm. This movie though, this is a horror movie, yeah. And so it's it's got one horror. trick, mm. and that is to to build up suspense by doing nothing and then have Shelley Duvall scream all her teeth at you. And I just. <laughs> I, <laughs> Oh man! All right, I'm gonna let's let me just put this out now before audience members implode. Uh, and, and absolutely, you know, everyone here on the show always has different opinions about movies, but I think this is the only great Stanley Kubrick movie. There's some good, there's some okay things I like. You know, there's things about Space Odyssey I like. There's things about Eyes Wide Shut I like. There's things about AI I like. But this is easily my favorite Kubrick film, and it's one of my favorite horror movies ever. And it also marks one of those films that scared me so bad when I was younger that I thought I'd never be able to see it again. And this was Mm -hmm. cathartic for me because it's been a while. It's probably been 20-something years since I've seen it. Wow! And so for me, it was great because I could actually... Now, you know, when you're an adult and you're sort of desensitized to all this crap, you can actually, you know, relax a little and, and take it in as it was intended, which is, you know, I can notice things like the shot these long lingering shots of the kid on that crazy pattern carpet and and how that's just visually just you know totally kubrick and strange and and to really just get into the feel and the and the music and the stuff that's in this movie i really really like the shining and i liked it's, it more it now is, than ever i really like it, it is the it is the craft of the auteur i'm i'm not disagreeing with you on that things like the shot of the kid on the big wheel mm-hmm. and he's going around the the hotel and as he goes over carpet and back onto hardwood the sound changes mm-hmm. 
that that you could really you could really Shot. get that right. the director had put all this care into this has to look and sound exactly like this you got the feeling that the kid got old like they took so long to make this movie mm. yeah. it was, <laughs> you know, you know yeah. it's it's that those shots are are just revolutionary as far as uh the 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 person who basically invented the steady cam was mm -hmm. on set mm -hmm. helping mm -hmm. along with all these shots and kubrick uh, actually uh, you know um put influence into how Steadicam was used after that. So it, it was revolutionary. It was. Yeah, and it and looked just great. Had a GoPro on the front of the uh, big group. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, could imagine, you could imagine the camera operator soft-stepping behind that kid, but you didn't while you were watching Actually, they this weren't film. even soft-stepping. Actually, there was, it was on like a, like a cart or something mm -hmm, and yeah. had like a, like it was a modified wheelchair with a sound man and everything. I would love yeah. to see that. Rig. By the way, that documentary is so worth watching. Room two thirty seven. Is it right? Yeah, right. that's what it's called. Uh, you, if you haven't know. seen that, you you know you need to see <laughs> yeah, it. Know, Randy, man. you should see it. I wonder if it. it would give you more of an appreciation for it. I bet it would. Randy, the, the thing is, the thing is, it's such a Stephen King story, and it's like, like so many others. You're like, okay, it's an Indian burial ground, and the that, people, wasn't that our go-to? And the these, people are, these people are going to be haunted, but everyone else who ever comes and goes from there hasn't been haunted except except the one black guy, the one wise black guy. It could, like, it just... The only, the I, only I, times I, it does... It, I, my understanding, and I could be wrong, and I've never read the book, um, but I think that the idea is that it only happens during the winter shutdown and the caretakers who are there during the winter. Sure, sure. Yeah. And I'm sure, I'm sure Stephen King in the book... Short story? I don't remember. It's been it's a book. thirty years since I oh, looked yeah, at the no, book. Oh yeah, no, it's a long story. Yeah, big I'm sure. I'm sure Stephen <laughs> King even even gave a bunch of reasoning for that, like all this stuff. And Kubrick, Kubrick really doesn't care to tell you the story. He wants to show you the story, mm -hmm. and you can you can kind of figure out what's going on. Yeah. But it's a horror film, and so the you know, for example, the mysterious full frontally nude naked lady um, <laughs> is is only scary because of what she turns into when she's kissing on Jack Nicholson. And I, I disagree. Yeah. She gives me the that, willies from the beginning. There's so, I think there's so much done with, with, um, with cinematography, with this film, those long, slow shots where you're watching Jack Nicholson's face slightly change while he's looking at her as she's getting out of the bathtub. But just, you know, just this long, path that there is from him to the bathtub it's not just like a cut oh there she is and she's naked da, 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 da. it's these long just staring shots that make you feel like you're being a voyeur I, I, yeah, this I, totally, I totally I, I totally get what let me let me just hit my conclusion, sure, hit I, conclusion. I really don't have anything else to say the rest of the episode I, <laughs> I, 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 only. I have I, you know I, I I just I just named a bunch of tropes and I don't want that to be my like argument about this film my, my argument about this film is it's unfortunate that I have seen so many way scarier, way louder, faster, more expressive films in the last 20 years. And this film is supposed to now, if you're going to appreciate it, you have to put it in its time. This film is 35, 37 years old. You have to give it its due for what it did technologically. Like Spartacus, which, by the way, I think is Kubrick's best film. Spartacus was made in the late 50s. Imagine how difficult it was. To make Spartacus, I can't. I can't figure it all out. Mm. And Kubrick did that. Great. I just have been ruined by things like The Ring or The Grudge 
And now I see a movie like this and I just kind of slept. Well, The Ring and the Grudge and I would say a lot of horror movies from 1980 till now, which is when this film was released, I think owe a lot to The Shining. Like The Shining, The Shining was the first mm-hmm. horror movie I'd seen. I think it's why it scared me so bad when I was like 14 or whatever it was when I saw it. Right. Ugh. Is that it it created a really a, a sense of unease and it did it immediately and it never left. It was always there. And I feel like yeah. the best horror movies of today, while yes, it, uh, they've advanced in many ways uh, in the genre for sure. No question about that. But I feel like they owe some of that to, to this film specifically. This one feels like a, a flag in the sand that said, all right, here's how they go from here on. Like from now on, you're all going to steal ideas from this, especially if something's haunted, especially if people are losing their minds. And especially mm-hmm. if you're going to use music as a, uh, a a way to just create uh, almost like a texture, like it's just this wicked weird thing, and and I feel like all those movies do that to to some greater degrees and some lesser degrees, but they I think they all owe him a little bit of a debt. At least I get that impression. But, and he but, owes a debt to Psycho. I think this is a natural progression, and this is where I kind of people classify this as a horror. And it is, but this most recent time that I watched it, I watched it analytically, and it appeared to reveal itself as more of a thriller mm. uh, than a horror. Well, but to me, yeah, you're real. That, like that's a distinction without a difference, man. Stephen King is rolling over in his grave if you're not calling this a horror movie. <laughs> well, like, at, well, he, he's not is, even well, no, dead. no, he's he's rolling over his grave because he hated Kubrick's interpretation because you know right. Stephen King was was very much you know in the man's headspace and this was a very personal writing about his <laughs> own struggles and whereas Kubrick uh, kind of wanted to look explore the psychological part of it from the outside a little bit a little bit more distance and just look at the duality of man yeah can we uh, can we clear one thing up mirror. though we got to clear one thing up Stephen King is rolling in his futon he's alive and he's not yeah, yeah, he's, alive. he's alive we were joking that's my joke all right, all right. I, I think I think right. only living people should be referred to as rolling over in their grave <laughs> yeah. I want to I want to offer one more complaint because I have a, I, I have so many good things to say about this movie but I was struck the entire time dumbstruck by how all of the principals look like aliens I didn't understand yeah. the casting for the film it never brilliant casting. It, 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 it only made sense to me when when I finally got to the end of it and realized, uh, OK, so they cast people who were willing to make the movie is what it comes to. Like, oh, like, no. <laughs> I, mean, I, think, I think that's a big difference between stuff like The Ring and The Grudge and, you know, and, and modern horror films is that you've got a bunch of you're, you're supposed to care about them because they're really pretty people. Right. There's there's like, right. oh, my gosh, it's, you know, Kendall Jenner and, and Paris Hilton. So and are you Paris saying poured with wax. man's not attractive? <laughs> I'm saying I'm saying that from the beginning of this movie. And again, I'm ruined by other movies. But from the beginning of this thing, I was thinking, oh, Shelley Duvall's an alien. They cast her in this role <laughs> specifically because she looks like an alien. I like her. And I and she's the only by the way, she's the only one that doesn't ever get really influenced by controlled by the mysterious forces right yeah well, well the so kid the kid i mean the kid <laughs> came in there yeah. the kid came in there with it uh i mean that's it's in him the shining uh and by the way that shining thing is is there's well you'd have to get deep into the stephen king lore but that stuff all ties back to the dark tower but but anyway mm-hmm. the yes, the the thing with her is she's the only in fact i wrote up my notes she's the only one unaffected by the place and for whatever reason jack nicholson uh his character jack is completely 
mm-hmm. you know, like he wh- wh- he's susceptible in every possible way. It's like he's got no immune system to ghosts, and she went in there fully fully stocked, and it's weird. I don't know why she's the one that isn't affected at all. By I that think stuff. I, I actually have some uh, theories, a lot of theories. I got okay. This movie is to me. This movie is effective because it elicits uh, conversation. This movie is always going to create conversation because uh, Kubrick laid out so many different things and said, "Look, here's a pattern. Here's a pattern. Here's a pattern. Try to figure it out. Good luck." And he you know he had some he had some intentions, but this is an art piece. It's meant to make you discuss. And as as a result, I do have some theories of how uh, the the pieces fit together. For me personally, mm-hmm. uh, I never understood why. Now in the book, it's a little more obvious why they call it The Shining. As as a person wa- watching The Shining growing up, I'm like, why are they talking about The Shining? I mean, it's such a small part. I mean, it's really about the craziness of of Jack Nicholson. Always like, why is it not called The Shining? Question mark because I don't know what's going on. I got no idea. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so my eventual uh, conclusion based on some conversations with Lloyd, the bartender and some of the rules that were set up earlier uh, and pressness that were set up earlier is that Jack has the shining as well. Mm. And the, he's having a struggle of wills with Danny uh, because of the, of the shining, because Jack always kind of zones out uh, and talks to Lloyd in the same way that Danny zones out and, and talks to Tony uh, and so I think there's this 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 struggle that's going on uh, between the two characters. Right, right. And also, and, if you look at them as literal, Tony Tony seems. And by the way, what we're doing right now is exactly what Kubrick wants us to do. Yeah. Right, uh, right. But Tony's like protecting Danny. He's he's there yes. seems to be some goodwill mm-hmm. on Tony's part. You don't know it right at the beginning, but whoever this Tony entity is seems to Tony be on backwards the, is why not? Yeah, exactly. But he's, uh, <laughs> but he's, you know, he's, he's weirdly his protector. And, and if, if that is true, that the equivalent is this bartender for Jack, he's got no good intentions for Jack. He wants to see Jack right, live right. in chaos. Right, he wants exactly. To see Steer him into madness. Can, right. can we right. can we go off on a on a side around the table? On, Wait, before uh, we do this though, I got to hear. I haven't heard Ibbett's entire. We haven't let Ibbett have his say here. I want to hear what <laughs> yes, Ibbett yeah, thinks about the in. movie generally. We've all given our generals here. What's your general? Sure. I, I really still enjoy this movie. I um, this is probably maybe the fourth or fifth time I've seen it. Mm. Uh, surprisingly, I think you'd think I would have seen it more, but it's. Uh, I think number one still holds up, but I think what what kills it for me and what still makes it horrifying for me is the claustrophobia of the film. The um, you know you're in these big open ballrooms and big open spaces, but the the painting that they use, like the the colors, the giant red pillars and the dark colored ceilings and and floors and stuff, right, right. make it feel like it's a really really dark confined space and, and that all freaks the way me down out. yeah I mean, it too. does it's all the yeah. way down to the apartment where they they yeah. have very narrow rooms and you go from the sprawling area and and they follow the 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 uh the actors in so it seems like there's no place to go i mean you're you're walking right. single file like in you're heading locations. into a corner exactly and it's like yeah in a maze yeah, yeah. and you're also mm-hmm. covered <clears throat> you're covered in some horrible snow and mm-hmm. that's that is Very, enough for yep. me to hate that isolation. Right? Yeah, you're exactly isolated. Like Nobody that. can get to you. You can't get out. And there's a there's a maze to get lost in. Like it's the yes. worst place. <laughs> awesome is the maze. Worst nightmare. Freaking yeah. freaking Chekhov's uh, garden maze. Oh, yeah, right. no kidding. Like the minute you see that thing, you're like, oh, that's gonna be in the climax of the film. Yeah. Did you really? Did you really think that? 
Yes, no doubt. There was no doubt in my yeah. mind. Yeah, I, so, I felt okay, like so that, that seems like so I, knew, I didn't one, know it was a kid, my, but I knew it now. So anyway, here's yeah. my one backstory for this movie. All right. Okay. So uh, when I was uh, 15 or 16, I guess I was 16 because I know I had a driver's license. Uh, my parents and I and my granddad went on a summer vacation to Oregon. And we flew out to Portland, which is a great place to fly into. If you've never flown into that airport, it's fascinating because you feel like you're landing on water. And uh, then we drove all over and we saw all the sites. We went to Tillamook. We went to uh, we went up to the Crater Lake. We did all this just summer vacation stuff as a as a family, Grandpa and me. And we went to Mount Hood, and we saw as we're driving up to the Timberline Lodge. Both of my parents start talking about, oh, wow, that's the hotel from The Shining. That's the hotel from The Shining. Oh, gee, I don't know if I even want to go in there. Where's the <laughs> maze? Mm-hmm. And I just had no idea what in the world they were talking about. But I got the impression that there was a maze <laughs> in a yeah. movie. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And, and there is I, no maze at the hotel. Right, right, yeah. Right. But I that's was right. supposed to, uh, like, so... When I saw this movie, it brought back those memories of going to the Timberline Lodge. And I remember, by the way, I had a uh, uh, what's the classic non-alcoholic kids beverage that a bartender serves you? Oh, it's, it, I'll tell you, it's the Shirley oh. Temple. Oh, Shirley, the Temple. Shirley Temple. Oh. I remember. I remember. I had a Shirley Temple. I'm having a mixed drink. <laughs> yes, I had a Shirley Temple at the bar at the Timberline Lodge in Mount Hood, and my parents could not wait to leave mm. because they were so unnerved mm. by. That hotel. Oh, that's so interesting. Anyway, and, I, and every you time were sitting I, here going, Red Rob. Every, <laughs> every, and talking <laughs> to your finger, talking to your middle finger though. That was weird. Um, I, <laughs> I, uh, I get this every time I go to an older hotel. In fact, the the uh, Grand in Vegas that we just stayed at has their their floors on their on the upper levels are are long and repeaty and looks like a Kubrick yeah. shot. And that free that stuff freaks me out. I don't like it. Plus, there's a lot of blood in the elevator. Yeah, every time, <laughs> gallons of blood in the elevator. Uh, or at least there, there's definitely we're, DNA. We're there's that, definitely DNA in the elevator. But anyway, yeah. We we've got to give all the credit to whoever figured out how to do that special yes. effect. That was, oh, that shot. that was remarkable. So good. Yeah, that, and and seeing in slow motion and watching the the the, the uh, furniture move around and get. Uh, oh, it's like get nothing wave. else. It's like oh, nothing you'd seen before. Honestly, yeah. back in the day, yeah, especially, so it was like what the crap. They'd CGI that now, but it was really good practical effect. Here's the thing yeah. about that movie, though. Um, it the documentary about it. Just so people understand this, it's not a making of documentary. That's not what Room Two Thirty Seven mm-hmm, is. Right. Room Two Thirty Seven is a feature length documentary about all the conspiracy theories, all of the puzzles, all of the weird shit people have found in the movie and connect to other things. It's awesome if you like going deep on, you know, finding out if the Beatles are singing backwards and if Paul is dead. It, th- that crowd mm-hmm. will love that thing, even if you don't yeah. buy that stuff. Or even if you don't buy most of what you hear right. in there, you can't deny some of this weird Kubrick's. Like he was putting little Easter eggs all over that thing, and it's mm-hmm. totally even, worth. He even watching. beat us over the head with the Apollo thing, which was to imply that there are conspiracies here to to see. Yeah, uh, with with the with the question of the moon landing. Yeah, and I like that. To me, this is like um, what's it like? It's like a video game where you've given me a good game to play, but you've also right. hidden a bunch of really great stuff for me to find. And I like that. It feels like a better value or a better uh, a better experience or whatever to know that all of that stuff is in there. If you want it, you don't have to get it. You can just do the surface stuff if you want. But I like that in movies. Now, what I would have really liked is if this little kid who was cast mm-hmm. uh, would have fallen ill 
and Brian Ibbett, who was up next. <laughs> you were in the final. You were a finalist, right? You were almost. This I was. Kid. Yeah. So. So here's the here's the really quick story. My uh, mom there was and I should have I was hanging out with my mom yesterday. I should have asked her what the magazine was. Get some like specifics. But um, in the back of a local magazine or local Denver paper, there was an ad looking for kids between the ages of uh, like six and twelve or something like that for um, for an audition. It didn't say anything about who was for anything like that. Um, she sent in, she had some photos of me, but not like, you know, well, here's my headshot and here's me with a, a Sherlock Holmes hat on. And <laughs> right, <laughs> it was just some photos and, uh, and, and they called us in. We went to an interview thing where, um, where I believe that they interviewed or talked to her probably just to make sure that she was okay with this and that she knew what was, <laughs> what I was going to be getting into if I were picked. Mm -hmm. And then they interviewed me. And then they brought me back for a screen test where basically I sat in a room and had um, uh, this. I remember pretty vividly two guys and a woman sitting there asking me questions with a big video camera on a tripod pointed at me for the whole time. And they're like, all right, don't be nervous. We're going to ask you a bunch of questions and da, da da da. And we just want you to tell us about yourself and stuff like that. And like, what are your hobbies? And I said, well, I like uh, comic books and I like, um, my <laughs> uncle has a tree house and I like climbing my uncle's tree house. And <laughs> apparently that was a hobby. <laughs> and, uh, and, and basically, you know, it came down to, I think my mom must've found this out while she was down there, judging by the number of other kids who were in there, but they were, they were like, 10 kids, me included. So nine other kids waiting for the screen test that they were wow. picking from. So Danny Lloyd must've been in there as one of them. And, right. uh, uh, I didn't get the, obviously didn't get the role, which is okay. <laughs> looking back at things, you know, looking at what, what I'm doing now versus, uh, uh, you know, maybe what Danny, I mean, Danny's a teacher right now. So, Hey, good for him. Yeah. Um, did a couple, couple other movies or one other movie and that was it. But, uh, just yeah, like his dad my, in the movie. Weird. My slow brush with fame. Mm. Uh, or brush brush against fame. So some <laughs> some fun uh, Photoshop ensued yesterday from some fans where you're uh, <laughs> you're sitting in this thing, which is utterly fantastic. But also, um, you know, just me. I, I had a hard time. The kid was on screen. You've ruined it for me because every time he's right. on screen, I went, that could have been Brian Abbott. That could have been, been Brian Abbott. Yeah. So when you're screaming. The always imagine him as a bald kid. Yeah. Right, exactly. It's like this bald... Uh, <laughs> Uh, and so it's, it's also, you know, another connection here is that um, while the exteriors for the Overlook were shot in, you know, Mount Hood, the uh, hotel that inspired um, Stephen King to write the stories here in Colorado, it's at Estes Park, the Stanley Hotel. And it's mm -hmm. if you walk through the Stanley Hotel, and that's where room two, 237 is that uh, reportedly Stephen King stayed in and felt really nervous about being in there and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, and and it's if you walk through there and you kind of have to be tricky about it because it's become such a touristy thing, but it's still a hotel and they don't want people, you know, traipsing through the hallways, taking pictures while there are guests staying in the rooms in those hallways because they'd be disturbed and, and that sort of thing. So you have to be kind of clever and go around some velvet ropes when no one's looking and kind of go through the halls. Um, and then you can be an, uh, as obnoxious as you want. But uh, the halls <laughs> very much still the same way they looked in 1970 whatever when Stephen King stayed there very very narrow lots of wood paneling lots of uh, old black and white photographs on the walls um a very you know 
big pattern, a very uh, uh, graphic pattern on the floors and the carpet. And they've recently added, uh, because of the popularity of the move, they've recently added a hedge maze. Oh, no front way. Of oh, it. see, that's in front of it. Is it big? However, is it huge like that or smaller? It's, <laughs> I I think the highest that the, the hedges ever get is about six inches. <laughs> 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 so basically you're you're walking through this looking at a lot of other people who are kind of smiling and laughing What's up? oh that's hilarious because uh, that thing is more like labyrinth you know like in the movie anyway right, very it's, much. Right. i expected oh, yeah. a worm to pop out no kidding Not that way oh and those but lights you're, oh, if you're holding an axe can't you just go through any wall I Could you just like pick a direction and just go through every wall? There's, there's actually a really great piece of trivia about this, which is that they originally had a soft fake door for Jack Nicholson to bust through. Yeah. And he was he was breaking it down so fast that they weren't getting the results they wanted. So yeah. they made him personally chop through a real door uh, multiple times, like real oh, wow. these these because real he heavy wood doors. Right? Yep. It says here, uh a total of where is it? Oh, I can't find it. You're right though. There was some reference to it, and there was a number of doors and uh, so many takes, like tons and tons of takes. Also, the baseball bat scene. Uh, it says here. Let's see. Uh, I can't help but to laugh every time with the. I know I, I did too. I try to take it serious, but man, I, I laugh pretty hard. That, I don't think I'm supposed yeah, to. I don't think we are supposed time. to. But it says that at director Stanley Kubrick's insistence, she and Jack Nicholson performed 127 takes of the baseball bat scene. In The Shining, which broke a world record for the most retakes of any single movie scene with spoken dialogue. I don't know if that's been broken since then, but that was yeah, at the time. like like anybody's keeping that as a record. I don't understand that. But hmm. what was the what was the funny part? I I miss what what cracks oh, you just, up every time. Oh my gosh, the way the way Shelley Duvall is just going. Stop it! Stop <laughs> <Yeah>. it! <laughs> and and Jack cool. is going. Come on, baby. Come on. Come on. It's so Beetlejuice. He's basically there's the Homer scene from the the awesome yes. Treehouse of Horror <laughs> episode is is very yeah. reminiscent no of this. TV makes Homer something. Yeah. something. Yeah. Go crazy. That, Don't mind if I do. I think I think that's one of the things that ruined the film for me is that I've seen so many jokes yeah. about parts of this movie over the years right. that. When I first saw Jack Nicholson in the very first thing, right, he, he walks into this bustling hotel and I saw Jack Nicholson and I thought, I'm not taking him seriously mm. at all. <laughs> he just he just looks like a big joke. Yeah. And of course, Jack Nicholson looks like a joke anyway. If if I'd never seen the guy, yeah. I would be like, he was, who did he his was literally eyebrows? he yeah. was literally the Joker. Let's not forget that yeah, too. Right. So he was such this a joke, is, yeah. he became the Joker. This was Stephen King's one of his first complaints was that Jack Nichols. He's like, why this guy? I need someone who doesn't isn't already crazy. I need somebody who descends into crazy. But Jack Nicholson just instantly right from the beginning. Yeah, totally looks like he's sitting there in the office getting interviewed by the dude about being a caretaker. And he's like, what? The Big Lebowski? Oh. No. <laughs> Yeah, what? that's the one. Yeah, the dude. <laughs> the dude. Um, I would have taken. Journey? I would have taken. <laughs> who did the TV one? It was the. It was the guy from uh, that sitcom. Uh, do you guys remember this? The miniseries version of The Shining. Oh yeah, Stephen right, Weber right. from Stephen Wings. Stephen Weber from and, Wings. Uh, Rebecca Dormor De Mornay is his wife. Yeah. And that one, they actually filmed exteriors at the Stanley. Yeah, hmm. and they and that thing was. Um, uh, at the time, I remember people saying it was more true to the to King's it was, vision, right? True to the book, but not not as 
not as yeah. scary as the movie. Right. If you want to, so, yeah, if you want a TV series, you're going to have to go with the book. Yeah, that, I agree. There's just not enough material. Totally mm-hmm. agree. So what, I, <clears throat> what I'm going to suggest to people is this idea, that Stanley Kubrick, despite what Stephen King may have thought at the time, I mean, Lord knows Stephen King's favorite versions at the time of movies he was making were not very good. Like, he was all mm-hmm. in on Maximum right. Overdrive and bullshit like that, and they were all bad. But when a really great director comes along and layers his vision on top of Stephen King's cake, you end up with a way better cake. And I would, and I'm not, I don't, this is not speaking about his books. His books are amazing. I'm a huge Stephen King fan. I read them to death. I love them. It's just that when you take somebody like, um, oh, uh, Green Mile and a Shawshank director, uh, um, Frank Darabont comes along Mm. and he just has what it takes to take those two stories and make them classics, make them incredible take all the things that mattered about the original stories and turn it into something special. And I think Kubrick did that to The Shining, and I'm not sure there's a better way to do it. It felt... And you have is, to, you what know. you have to distill out of a Stephen King story, because there's so much people thinking, is the unseen. You have to get rid of that, right? Because a, a film is a visual medium. So uh, all the things that someone is thinking that are scary thoughts, you have to somehow distill that down to a shot of Jack Nicholson, and he's looking at a naked lady... And you have to get across what he's thinking, mm-hmm. and you know, yeah, you know instantly what he's thinking. Yeah, yeah you know what and, Jack Nicholson's thinking. And that, so that's it. the so that's the the genius of Stanley Kubrick in this case, and that's where so many Stephen King books have gone horribly wrong. <laughs> you know, is mm-hmm. that the director has is not thinking I've got to communicate something without having the actor speak. Yeah, right. Well, if and I'm I, yeah. as as a consumer, I don't understand. Why I can't enjoy both? They're 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 the same story, told from two different perspectives. Sure, sure. Uh, one is a little more introspective, the book, and the other one's a little more outside. And I'm fine with both. They both, uh, they both bring something to the table, and it doesn't bother me at all that there's it's, the Kubrick thing and the King thing. Mm-hmm. It's part of the reason I think that I like covers is that you're seeing two different ways of telling the same story, two different ways right. of saying the same song. If yeah. you had you know, if there were another artist in the studio when Leonardo da Vinci was painting the the Mona Lisa, you'd probably want to see what their version would have looked like as right, well. Right, right. Exactly. Oh, that's a really yeah. interesting way to look at it. And and clearly, yeah. you know, I mean, this is the definitive version. There's no question about it. Nobody looks, mm-hmm. nobody nobody goes, oh, yeah, the Oh, Shining. that Wings guy, man. Yeah. That was a great version. Of- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, critically, it did okay, but I, I think it was just a, and, and I don't I even have a problem with that existing. I don't have a problem that we try to remake The Shining now. I think that's a, really hard prospect and good luck to you but i don't have a problem with it like i'm fine with remakes go for it everybody make what you want maybe you'll surprise <laughs> me once in a while people surprise you and you're like oh oceans 11 was way better than the old frank sinatra piece of shit you know right. that can happen so uh, i don't have a problem with it but the point is uh what was my point i had a point i forgot oh i know what i was gonna say so randy or brian this uh Ibbett, this is what you missed yeah. when you didn't get the job okay yeah because okay. because danny lloyd was so young he was a little younger than you <laughs> Uh, it looks like he was born in 72, three, something like that. Uh, yeah, he was four years younger than me. So uh, I might've been too old for the part. That might've been, you know, one of the reasons I didn't get it. Might've been. Anyway, it says because Danny Lloyd was so young and since it was his first acting job and second to last, uh, Stanley Kubrick was highly pr- uh, protective of the child. So he would have been like all around you all the time going, no, I leave. know, I know. Is that good? You, I mean, <laughs> you leave little, 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 little jacket and eyes wide shut. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hey Brian, come come in here in my office. I've got something to show you. 
<laughs> anyway, I've got some candy in my pocket here. Let me find it really quick. Ooh, it's a warm gummy bear. Anyway, <laughs> during the shooting of the movie, Lloyd was under the impression that the film he was making was a drama, not a horror movie. In fact, when Wendy carries uh, Danny away while shouting at Jack in the Col- uh, Colorado Lounge, she is actually carrying a life-size dummy. And I looked for this, and I could tell now that I've read this. Oh, really? Uh, okay. So Lloyd would not have to be in the scene. He only realized the truth seven uh, several years later. He was shown the movie heavily edited version of the film. Uh, he did not see the uncut version of the film until he was 17, 11 years after it was made. So apparently Kubrick was <laughs> like, yeah, I'm only doing this with this kid if I don't expose him to right, if I could scary stuff. Him, which, which is great. great which is, yeah, because yeah, you see... You know, we we talk about this a lot on the show, like kids having to having to swear or having to stab something with a knife, even though it's not a real human, but they're having to kill it, and yeah. that's got to really mess up a kid. Yeah, it, feels it, it does add a it does add a layer of difficulty to a to the making of a film that you don't often think of, though. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't often watch a film and go, oh wow, that I I can't even imagine how they got this shot of this kid doing this thing. Like mm-hmm. it's too, mm-hmm. you, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. like we we tend to assume that the kid is actually a psycho in real life. And that lets you know that it was good filmmaking. Yeah. That they did, the, they did, they their, did job. their job. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. According to Shelley Duvall, the infamous Here's Johnny scene took three days to film and used 60 doors. Oh, that was the other piece of the door thing. Wow. 60, 60 doors. doors. That's... And and so this actually like this actually works against the movie for me. I don't I don't want to know that. It makes me think Stanley Kubrick's a maniac. Who, <laughs> he who is a maniac. He can't do some <laughs> something simple, you know. Like, mm-hmm. but it it does tell you that everything in every now you hear this all the time. It's like oh, if you see something in a scene in a movie, it was meant to be there. Well, I've seen plenty of movies. It's like you can tell this. It's like yeah, put some stuff over here, put some stuff over here. But every th- freaking thing in a Kubrick scene, oh, it means something. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. there, there's something to it. Uh, so like, there's like a scene early on, uh, of, of a book uh, It's called the wish child. And I looked it up because I was curious. It was, it was kind of blurred out and it was behind Shelley Duvall and she, when she was talking to the doctor and, and it talks about, uh, and the, the book is based on a German story from 1939 where two children watch as their parents become immersed in the puzzle mechanics of power. And yeah. so that comes into play really big with, you know, the struggle of wills in this movie. So everything in a Kubrick film, there's there those scenes, you know, because he chopped up how many doors? 60 doors. Too many doors. doors. That's more doors than I will open or shut in the next two months. Like right. that's, and they destroyed that man. It's crazy. Now, once in a while, IMDb lies to us. So I have a new segment for the show and it's called this shit. It's the, when they lie to us. <laughs> and I think that this particular one is not real. It can't be. Here okay. it is. This I'm ready. Word for word. To get Jack Nicholson in the right agitated mood, he was only fed cheese sandwiches for two weeks, which he hates. That's the entire quote. I'm calling shit on yes. that one. Yeah. Absolute nonsense. I'm calling constipation yeah. on that one. Yeah. And by the way, by the way, I just want to I just want to say uh, this is not necessarily an explicit podcast, but this episode is about a very explicit movie. This film is a hard R. Oh, I yeah. I don't think we've ever indulged in so much full frontal nudity. I'm I was thinking about this like we've had films before where there was there was a lot of nudity, but it was more incidental. Yeah, you know. Right. Yeah, I'm trying yeah. to think this if is, there was. She there's so is, so people that, so they know she gets out of this tub. She's buck naked. She's um you know young and attractive I suppose, and she stands there for a I longing suppose. shot. 
<laughs> I suppose I, I wouldn't know. Then you're then I there's a li- then she, you're into that sort of thing. She turns into a really old lady who was also paid to be fully frontally nude with some appliances to make her look like she's uh, you know half zombie and gross. Uh, yeah, that she corpse. Yeah, it's really gross. And uh, I don't know what they paid that lady. What do you get when you're 80 and they pay you to be naked? I don't know what that costs. I don't know. You get to spend a, 14 days thing. naked with Stanley Kubrick. Yeah, That's no kidding. And Jack Nicholson. Yes. <laughs> 60 Just imagine how. Imagine. He, he made all the rest of the filming really, really long so he could have lots of time with the naked lady. Yeah. That's are what you going to finish Kubrick's that done. cheese sandwich? Yeah. <laughs> now there's no right, there, there's no consummation or any sort of sex in this movie it's all weird and creepy but that's the point it, the hard r comes from it being it's really just unsettling and also yeah violent like I, I remember as a kid and even today so here's the one shared experience i have with my childhood self or my 14 year old self when i first saw it i remember being kind of scarred by um uh, scatman carruthers going through all that trouble mm-hmm. and the minute he walks <laughs> in uh, axe to the chest like yeah. the second yeah. he gets there bam that is so stephen king that is like the ultimate stephen king trope oh, it, it he uses totally all the time is. it totally is you're is right is the is the uh is the ineffectual hero that we we that gives us hope for half a second we go oh it's as just like it's, from, it's there, that psycho thing. Everything's gonna be fine. As right. soon as yeah. gets there, as yeah. soon as the police officer gets there, it's all gonna be fine. Nope, they just killed him. Oh my God, what are we up against? Yeah, it's, this, you know, it's this, escalation. Hap- this happened to me recently in my playthrough of Resident Evil Seven. There's a scene where you think, oh man, finally a cop's got here, and just immediately he gets his head cut in half with a shovel. And it's right. it's, it's one of those things for me, and it always stuck with me. And guess what? Yesterday, same deal. It left me purposefully, and and again, I think it's to the movie's favor. I'm not a kid anymore, so it doesn't ruin me. But it makes me go, gosh, dang it, that is freaking rough. He's the only right? good guy in yeah. this, and he came all that way in this horrible of all horrible snowstorms in the in the middle of the night to try to Listening save this to kid. Hal and Charlie. Yeah. Right. All the way Which up. Is a real Denver thing, by the way. Walks in and nice. goes, hey, everybody, shunk right in the chest, you're dead. Can I, brutal. Can I, uh, brutal. Throw a, can I throw a theory out there again? Another theory I have. Yeah. Uh, there. Danny disappears when after okay so Danny communicates he uses the shiny and he communicates with Dick uh Scatman down in Miami uh and so <laughs> at that point uh Tony appears and he keeps saying that uh that he can't Danny won't wake up mm-hmm. Danny can't wake up he's not going to wake up and so uh, throughout that entire time uh I'm curious if if uh Danny's not astral projecting into Scatman and controlling his actions to bring him to there. And once Scatman is killed, he leaves and he pops back into his own body because he instantly jumps back and he, he jumps mm-hmm. out and runs almost instantly. Mm-hmm. And That's then he's, he's in the thing, right? Yeah, yeah and then he's Danny. That. Was that, yeah, the, so, was that uh, in the book? You know, I never read the book. So I, I don't... No, that was not in the book. Okay. Um, the, it, it, the book has this really straightforward telling of what's basically a haunting. And, right. it, and all of the different... Uh, all of the different uh, uh, people are being haunted sort of individually. Mm. There, uh, there's not really haunting each other in the book at right. all. Mm. The, uh, St- uh, Stephen King took it more like a haunting, like you said. And Kubrick, to me, does it more like uh, a mirror world or an alternate dimension where uh, where there's kind of a timeline this, uh, alongside of this. And, and we kind of jump in between the two worlds of, you know, the uh, you know, red rum murder some of the possessions are actually some kind of crossover in in my opinion what what 
my I theorize in my head. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's right. So, it sounds right to me. I, I would agree with that. Right. And I didn't know that but when I was 14, by the way. At 14, I just thought, oh, this poor guy came all this way. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't get none of that stuff back in the day. All yeah. I, I, I was totally traumatized by the naked lady because it. I was, I guess, probably around 14 or so, 15 when I saw it as well. And, of course, you know, watching it late night on HBO or something and seeing this woman naked, it's like, oh, my God, wow, this is – the most amazing thing ever, and then suddenly he's kissing grandma. <laughs> mm-hmm, and right, you know, that's right. that's but, like the worst fear of every fourteen year old, right? <laughs> and can we throw this out there? I do think that that is the thing to gross Scott out the most. Uh, it's close. You know, it's close, but you're not there I, yet. Well, let's let's discuss that because I, I thought that was quite obvious as well. But I had a few things that I thought may have freaked Scott out. Um, I'm gonna go with when Jack Nicholson's Nicholson is in bed getting his uh, morning breakfast, and he's got runny eggs. And and bacon, and he keeps dipping the bacon in the <laughs> runny yolk. No, nope. oh, that's the best thing Nothing. ever. Are you kidding me? Yeah, that's I like, like that. that's the, I like that. That's the thing that made me the happiest. Yeah, in the film. yeah, that yeah. was a that was a hearty meal. I have no that, problem that with that. Turned me on more than the naked lady <laughs> in the tub. That did not gross me out, not at all. That was a no problem. So 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 far, you guys are close with the old lady. That one came right up in there. The problem, the different, the problem with the old lady was as he's kissing her, he's still kissing the young one. It isn't until he yeah. pulls back. Sees himself in the mirror. Well, they right. never show her. He's never kissing the old lady. That's it, it, right. But like, he's got his hand around her and touching her pustules. Yes, yes. <laughs> but those pustules were fake, so that stuff doesn't. The fake stuff never freaks me out. It's the. Okay. It's a real moment. I'll say, Jack. <laughs> uh, here's the hint. Jack Nicholson's involved, and sure. I, I hated it. It grossed me out, and I hated it. But it's a dumb scene that's got nothing to do with any of the major points of the movie. So, if anyone can guess, be my well, guest. Okay. It, I, I was to go, but I have a second guess. For well. some guess. reason, I was grossed out by the sequence where Jack Nicholson gets a bunch of drinks spilled on him, mainly because the portrayal of it was ludicrous. Yeah, like right. the bar, the guy walking with the drinks starts tripping from twenty feet away. <laughs> you mean you mean the previous caretaker? <laughs> yes, and he's tipping right. the he's tipping the the platform of drinks toward Jack Nicholson in a way that I'm just like. No one would do this. Yeah. And then and then it becomes this tiny stain, which you yeah, could just babe. go rub out in the bathroom. Right. I, I don't know why. That just like I, I that you, whole I was you, creeped out that whole time. Have you ever had an avocado? No. <laughs> no, no, I thought it was when he first poured it on him, I thought, oh, it's got to be eggnog, right? Because it's right. Yeah, it does like contain eggs. Thing and right, does it? Right. Oh, yeah. really? Okay, gross. Yeah. I didn't know that. Gross. That's disgusting. <laughs> also, you should always go rub rub it out in the bathroom. Anyway, hey, what was my point? <laughs> <laughs> while you talk, while you use the N word. Yeah, <laughs> while I use the uh, but oh yeah, geez, whoa, that the yeah. little N word conversation was enough to put me in the zoo. I didn't like any of that. Yeah, that was, that's so <laughs> tough to hear. Yeah, I didn't it's like that. Uh, so, all right, I'll give you. I'll tell you guys what grossed me out, just to get it out all there. Right, um, there's the scene where he's having a horrible nightmare, and he's sleeping next to his typewriter, and she runs up to see what's going on and tries to wake him up, and it freaks him out. And he falls off the chair, which is really oh, yeah. funny, by the way. I made a gif of that, so if anyone you needs did, it, yes. right, right, that's good uh, stuff. but it's right after that, and the camera switches to a shot under the table, and he's explaining what happened. He's still sort of shaken from the dream. Right. And he's slobbering all yeah. over the place. And oh, I can't yeah. deal with that. Dude, big old lines of spit flipping around from Jack Nicholson's mouth. <laughs> yep. Yep. I got I got I got that. That was my one of my guesses. I had three guesses, and that was number two. Yeah. Yes. Slobber Very kid. I was the same way. Slobber, it was disgusting. Slobber kid is also gross. He was slobbery at one point. It was there was a yeah. lot of slobber times yeah, in this truly. movie. Yeah. 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 I don't like slobber. Um, but all that aside, I mean, whatever. Naked people. 
kissing and then turning into a lady. I, that was just all special effects. <laughs> And okay, also, his reaction, a, a, his reaction his reaction is so stupid. He but, puts his but hands that, out. But that grandma, one second, one second, right? Yeah. That grandma yeah. still has to go back to her family. Like, they still have to have her over <laughs> for Thanksgiving. <laughs> and <he's>, they, <laughs> remember that time you were in The Shining? Yeah, you're, you know, you're starting to think another, like me, dude. You're starting to think like me. This is exactly where my head went because I thought, oh, my gosh, that poor old lady. She's some now, now have a seat, children. Let me tell you a tale of when I put on a bunch of fake shit and scream and yell. Like, it's weird. It's you weird. Know, that, was, I, I, that was I, the actress's only credit. Mm, Her name right. is Billy Gibson. Yeah. Uh, I'm guessing she's dead by now because she looked like she was maybe 60 or, or or older in the film, and that you know was 37 years ago. Yeah. Um, just only credit. Can you imagine if that was your only credit, the yeah. only thing you ever did in a movie? I was in a movie once. <laughs> I was naked, rubbing on Jack Nicholson. Right. You know the uh, <laughs> the the thing that I surprised myself. Uh, by noticing was the ladyscaping between the two women. I mean, because when I was a kid, just as soon as grandma was naked, I, could, I had to avert my eyes. I couldn't look at oh, it. Oh, yeah. No, too, it out. was too traumatic. Now that I'm older, I'm like, okay, so I'm like, I'm objectively looking, going, okay, so the first lady she had, you know, she for her 80s, you know, she was fairly landscaped down there. And then the, the old lady, I'm like, it looks like she's, you know, totally Brazilian down there. You know, she's Ugh. she's totally clean. Ugh. And I'm like, uh, right. Well, well, yeah, they needed a surface to put some gross, dangling <laughs> skin on. Oh, man, the fact that you gave it that much thought. I don't know what she's gross. I, I know. It shocked me, too. I learned enough like, time looking at her boobs. I could not look any further. Yeah, oh. I, was, I was befouled. And she had, a, she had like yeah, a Hank Hill. notes I can take. Are there notes I can take? She, had, she had Hank Hill butt. That's the other thing I noticed. You ever yeah. seen the, the, I'll the, bet you do too. We, we all have Hank Hill. Oh, butt. I have. Yeah. To, I totally have Hank Hill, buddy. Are you kidding? Absolutely, right. I do. But she, she definitely didn't. I don't. You know, you don't see my naked Hank Hill butt on on the internet. Not yet, anyway. Not anymore. Right. Not, not anymore. Yet. Yeah. Or anymore. Huh? Yet or more. Yeah. One of the two. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, let's. Before uh, you go to quotes. No, yeah, before I, you go to quotes. That's fine. What do you got? I I, I want to talk about this trope of the bartender because this oh, film. Boy. Yeah. yeah. Lloyd the bartender is so tropey that I was if, if this happened to me I'd be like okay we're leaving mm. like the instant the bartender shows up I'm just like okay I know I'm in a horror movie at what what because, angle is he is he tropey is it uh is it because he's the the ghost and he's not actually there I, I think he's the, the I think bartender? he may have started this trope I feel like this we've seen this a million times since oh Okay, so let's recently in passengers. passengers. Yes, let's talk about our favorite bartender trope, like the 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 quiet, maybe robotic bartender, Mm. and see if anybody has one that's older than 1980. Mm. Anyway, Brian Ibbett, what's your favorite bartender? Jeez, Um, Isaac, I know my favorite bartender. Come back, come back to me because I'll go. I'll go first. Okay, I'm going with uh, with Tom Cruise. Okay. Oh, you mean (laughs) cocktail? (laughs) Yeah. Well, if you're talking before 1980, the only one I can think of is Isaac from the Love Boat. That's all I can think of. Oh, see, that is a good one. Yeah, he's yeah, a- but he's not robotic, man. He's like uh, that. I don't know. That mustache is kind of robotic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, and he's always putting. Oh, no, wait, that's Fonzie. Was he? He always did thumbs up and said he did the he did the point. He did the Jesus point. He, he uh, did yeah. do the point. He yeah. did the, the shooter guns, right? Yeah. The shooter was guns. The well, no, there were the, the thumbs were down, so they weren't they right. weren't shooter guns. They were just the point. Yeah, but it is thumbs the Jesus point. Definitely the Jesus yeah. point. Yeah. The one from, uh, uh, what, Dogma, was it, that had that in there? Anyway. I can't so think of any Of course, there, are, buddy, older, buddy there yeah. are older films with the character of the bartender. There's Casablanca. There's Anatomy of a Murder. Sure. Star um, Wars. 
Yeah. Sure. Yeah. But but this trope is a bartender who is just mysteriously absent, it, like almost vacant. To be insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So right. like uh, in the Fifth Element, when Vito Cornelius is at a bar at an airport, mm-hmm. and you and you slowly realize the bartender is an android, right? Like that. That's this trope. Mm-hmm. This this mm-hmm. like uh, this completely vacant thing. Um, There's one that's like I'm, it's that like talking can... to a wall essentially. Yeah. Oh. Right? No, no, no! I'll tell you who it is. And shoot, I can't remember. I want to say it's, it's, um, it's an actor we know and love. This is the um, uh, Griffin Dunn movie Night. Um, no, no, shoot! I cannot. Okay, all right. I'm, I'm gonna look this up because uh, this is a great Dunn. example of this. Griffin Dunn, uh, Dallas Buyers Griffin. Club, uh, American Werewolf. No, uh, no, no, no. Um, but it's uh-huh. him running around all night. It's a Scorsese film with Cheech and Chong. It's okay, a so brilliant, brilliant film. It is Griffin. I'm pretty sure it's Griffin Dunn. Well, then it's not Scorsese. Make up your uh, mind. <laughs> <laughs> the actor Griffin Dunn, isn't it? I oh. can't have everything of it. Oh, I, I was thinking of movies that he's directed. Okay, you know, got it. Uh, after Hours, After Hours. Oh. Okay, After Hours. There's the uh, which which as soon as it becomes you know streaming somewhere, we need to watch it. But the bartender is john not john hurt uh heard who's the herd john heard john heard john heard yes um and he's this kind of disaffected bartender who you find out is kind of involved in everything that's going on not a spoiler don't worry but um <laughs> it was a long way to get there but that's who i was right? thinking of <laughs> well, well done no it's all right we were happy to go on this trip with you it's fine the, the, oh, the bar- that was the, the, I'm exhausted now. Yeah. The bartender, Tom, Tom Shore, is that the character's name? Tom Shore, the, maybe. I don't know. The the bartender yeah, thing as as a trope, yeah. I think it's worth it's worth talking about in this film because it it's just one of several layers of this thing, where Jack Nicholson's character primarily is slowly entering into a spirit world, mm-hmm. and in the end. Uh, not only has he fully entered into the spirit world, but he's permanently memorialized in the spirit world by the end of the film. And the bartender is one of the primary things, like the caretaker and the woman in room 237. There are these primary elements of that that spirit world. And you never really know if that's all the same guy. Right. Hey, Mm-hmm. Playing different, or, or well, here's the yeah. here's the so, okay. I got a big question about this, and I know two thirty seven. The documentary talks about this, so so I don't want to. I, I just don't have a memory of what they said about it. But as I'm watching this one, I thought, all right, there's a few things at play. Is that some sort of reference to it's a destiny for this guy to be there because he was always in the photo? Number one, number two, right. when it's uh, was the caretaker there before he was there, and now he's taking the place. And if that's true. He didn't really do a very good job because his family's alive. They got away. The only person that died is Carruthers. So will the next family that comes to take care of the place 10 years later in the winter, will they just have weird flashbacks of Carruthers on the ground or standing there going, hello, and then blood coming out of the thing? Like, like what is the pattern? And I, and I loved thinking about that. I have to admit, I really had a good time with it. I just want to follow on that. I couldn't stop thinking about what it would be like if there was really a haunted hotel hmm. that really was only haunted when it was shut down in the winter and every spring the operators came in and cleaned up all the bodies and mess <laughs> and then you came along as a tourist and had no idea. That sounds like an episode of Dark Mirror or something. Yeah, yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's pretty Scott's, good. 
That's pretty right. good. By the way, um, real quick, did you guys recognize Lloyd, the actor? Yes, yes. He's from, uh, um, oh, uh, oh, what the crap? Uh, I did not. Who are we talking about? The, Blade the, Runner. Blade Runner. He is Blade Runner. He's Terrell, yes. Blade Runner, the guy who created all the replicants. Oh, uh, yep, yep. with the glasses. With the glasses. Gets his uh, glasses. thumbs in his eyes. Uh, with the gets, glasses. Gets baddies thumbs in his eyes. <laughs> right. Okay. That guy. All right. Now, I know. Now, idea. back to Scott's question. This this is where this movie uh, it has a lot of questions for a lot of people. Uh, if, if we go back and we look at what people have said about... Um, about our director, he is he believes in fate, uh, but he's not a spiritual person. He but he does believe in things that are beyond our view. So I wouldn't call what he's like representing here a spirit world, but maybe something that we don't understand yet. And that's why I think to me, I kept going back to more like, okay, so this is kind of like a parallel universe or a universe that is colliding with this universe or something like that. So, but it's always fun to think about because our original writer of the source material is more spiritual. Mm -hmm. And, uh, there's actually, you probably saw in the trivia, uh, a a time when Stephen King says that, uh, that he called him and asked him if uh, he believed in God. Mm -hmm. And so it's, Mm -hmm. it's, and then there's like a whole bunch of different stories of how it, it, uh, played out after that. But yeah, one of them believed in, in a higher, being and another one believed in uh maybe a little less mm-hmm. in a little different way yeah no that stuff's interesting again the documentary talked yeah. about some of that absolutely worth right watching i i like the documentary maybe more than the movie but you can't really have it without the movie so mm-hmm. um they sort of play off each other obviously i mean duh <laughs> so room 237 <laughs> is interesting if my i was trying to understand the actual room the room 237 in the kubrick film and in that universe I was trying to understand the only thing that I really know that happened in that room is the old lady was there to have sex with a young man and then something happened. I think he stole her car and then she killed herself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but nothing else really happens in 237. But it is like the focus of, of uh, Scatman uh, and, and Danny mm-hmm. to uh, to stay away. So I don't know why that is such a centralized yeah, it's like the weird focal story. energy of the of the of the haunting, and and I don't know why right, either. Right. Like you'd think it'd be that hallway where the girls were murdered or something. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. You would think yeah. that it would be more uh, Grady's uh, character who seems to be more of, but he's not. But even he says uh, Lloyd, uh, the bartender, says that uh, you know he's not the he's not the caretaker, and then he then you know Grady says he's not the caretaker, and somebody else is driving this thing. And so it's it's a really I know who it is. I can tell you who it is. It's the Crimson King. If you read the Dark Tower, it's the Crimson you'd know, King. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know that this Makes particular sense. this particular chunk of chaos is all his doing, as always. Yeah. So, uh, really, really quick. I don't know when we're going to get to talk about Stephen King again on Film Sack. Right? It could be years. Um, <laughs> I doubt it. We are we are weeks away from finally getting a huge Dark Tower film. Yep. It's been it's been in the works for a very long time. Yeah. Like we're we're talking about something I first started hearing about over a decade ago. Oh yeah. And development hell uh, I was in for a long long time. Yeah. Yep. I'm so I'm so excited especially about Idris Elba, especially about Matthew McConaughey in this film. But the weirdest thing about it is they're doing they're they're going to try to do a TV series that's a follow-on to it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's kind of backwards. Usually oh, really? you run a TV series and then put out a feature film once you got 
uh, a bigger audience than you would have uh, had. That was yeah, uh, but you're talking uh, 20 years ago thinking about TV and movies. I think now is the time for this <laughs> for this to work because for real, like I think TV TV is in a place and has. Um, it certainly has a place where the best stuff is happening there. The popcorn's happening in theaters still, but really the best work is happening on television, like straight up. It's, it's an objective right. truth. And so what they, in my opinion, what they should have done is just gone straight TV. But I think this is a, a good way to sort of time together. I mean, if they're if they're going to carry characters over and Idris Elba is going to continue on uh, as Roland and all that stuff, we don't know any of these things yet. But if that's what their plan is, then that's awesome because that story deserves more than one so- feature film. Right. right, so there are there are two fantastic side stories in the Dark Tower series of books. There's two unbelievably great side stories. One is Wizard and Glass, so good. which is which is a Western side story. It's Stephen King retelling a gunfight at the OK Corral, and then the other is Wolves of the Cala, which is Stephen King reimagining the Magnificent Seven. And it's an uh, incredible these, two books. I love those yeah. books. They're so good. And I'm really like the thing that turned me into I'm so excited, big fan of this is they said they're going to use the TV series to tell those stories. Oh, well, that's the case. I am all in then. Let's do it. Right. So so the whole thing is the Dark Tower movie gives you the overall story. Mm -hmm. And then the TV series takes you right to the backflash the backflash. That's not a word. Backflash. The the (laughs) back the backstory. The, the, well, Wolves uh, of the Kala though is a jump forward, and now you got an adult rolling again. Like you're not, you're not with sure, the sure, sure. young but, stuff. But those are such those are such encapsulated, whole, complete stories mm. that you know you get the feeling that in the film you don't have two hours, right? Yeah. So you're just going to mention those things. Oh, and you guys! Then the TV series. I'm so excited. I'm so nervous too, though, because I the trailer's got a weird kind of Matrix tone. I didn't expect. You hold and, it in such high regard that it's it's going to be hard for me. Know. I'm trying yeah. not to be yeah. that guy who judges before. I won't be. I'll be there day one. I'll go probably mm-hmm. on Thursday night when it opens. I'm just, I'm just, I just know how seared these characters are into my brain. It's the only series I've read this much. Five times I've read those books. I mean, I love them. They're my seven favorite books of all time, and I don't. Oh man, I just want it to be amazing. And I know, you know, a lot of people are like, well, just keep in mind, this isn't even supposed to be a direct story from the from the books. This is another turn of the tower, which uh, re- re- don't say that. Readers of the books I, will know what I mean when I say that. If you don't yes, know, but don't say I mean. that. I can't. I can't take that. It's not a. It's not a. But you remember, it's not. I mean, that's not even a spoiler. That's just the way the dark tower works. So it's it's possible that this will be a just fine like that, and. uh you know what has come before will happen again, sort of idea. And then you know that see that series though. Oh, holy shit! I mean, it's all I want to care about. So anyway, I have high expectations. I'm really excited. I want it to be the ultimate Stephen King uh, visual representation of his books ever, and I'm probably going to be let down. But it's okay. It's okay. I'm going to go in yeah. with the best attitude possible. I'm, I'm going into it knowing nothing about Dark Tower, and wow. I'm hoping to come out of it saying, "Okay, now I want to read the books or oh, listen to the audio books." I or hope something. you do. I hope and- you do. And Brian, reading the books will take you a year. I know. So, That's so, especially the way I read, uh, it'll take me like seven years. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I almost. Uh, You're a I, I kinda, I'm not, And I'm not a slow reader. Let me, let me, let me clarify that. I'm not a slow reader. It's just that. Oh, I read. Oh no, no, I still need to catch up on Arrow. So I'm going to watch Arrow tonight, and then I'll read. You know. Yeah. The next time. It's, I don't a, have it's a, show. a modern problem. Like, here's what yeah. you'll end up doing, or if I was to recommend it, I would get the George Guidel readings. The best. The, the, those are the best. Uh, mm-hmm. the audiobooks get get on your bike and hear those 
Yeah, um, that's I totally that that's the way to do it. Yeah. Yep. Now some of them didn't get done by him. I actually heard I've both read twice. No, no, no. Sorry, three times on audio. No, twice on audiobook, three times read the third book. One of those times on audiobook was Stephen King himself. And that was an experience. It was the weirdest thing I'd ever done. It was horrible, but I kind of don't regret it. But just imagine him going, and so Roland entered the thing with the, it's just his voice. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know. No, it's funny. There's a story. There's a story behind that. My my buddy Jason um, was reading or was listening to the Stephen King read Dark Tower books mm-hmm. at the time. And Tina and I um, went with him and his girlfriend, her friend Vicky at the time. So it was my friend Jason who was dating Tina's friend Vicky. We kind of put the two of them together. And um, we this was in 19... 19- Boy, 1995, 96 or something. It was before the really huge growth in Vegas of like um, uh, Mandalay Bay and uh, Bellagio and stuff like that. There was, well, it, you know, so, it yeah. sounds like back when there were only three books. It might, yeah, would have been whatever, however many there were at the time. And he was listening to them, and um, we were doing a drive from Denver to Vegas, and we were doing it overnight. We were leaving at 6 p.m doing the overnight drive so we'd be there first thing in the morning on on uh, the next day and um uh, he's like well i'm in the middle of the dark tower books do you mind if we listen to that and we're like okay i guess whatever but then you realize once you say yes to that number one you're coming into a book in the middle of the book you've got stephen king's nasally reading of of said book that you're coming into and you can't have any conversation in that car at all while the book is going on because you'll distract <laughs> the person the one person in the car who actually wants to read it and um i think we lasted an hour and i think somebody finally said uh, you know let's can we listen to music or something i can't do this anymore it might have even been me but i also remember from that trip for whatever reason we stopped off we had coupons for mcdonald's and at the time they had double quarter pounders with cheese and if you do the math that's half pounders with cheese, <laughs> which is the dumbest thing to eat on a road trip where, where you go miles and miles and miles without a bathroom. Yeah. You're just asking for the fruit and the, yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's and, awful. and oh my God, we need to stop. I don't care how gross that gas station is. We're stopping yeah, there. Yeah, you have to stop now. I don't care if it's on the side of the road, a busy freeway. You just got to do what you got to do. <laughs> you just stop. Exactly. Yeah, I'm kidding. Uh, um, so, anyway, I'm glad that it's uh, not Stephen King read. <laughs> well, uh, all that being said, uh, I hope this isn't the last Stephen King movie we do in a you know oh, long so time. Many that yeah. definitely be. We, we still haven't more. done Christine, and we haven't done oh yeah. Uh, there's, just, there's yeah. I just want to follow up with one little thing for you, Brian. Of it, uh, one uh, the total series is over 1.3 million words at. <laughs> At uh, about 300 words per page, you've got over 4,000 pages to I'm read. doing the audiobook. I'm doing what Scott suggested. <laughs> I'm getting on my bike and I'm going to listen yeah, to the audiobook. Yeah, do, do that. Sure, I'm just saying, it's I'm just saying okay, then the, we'll go that direction. At over 4,000 pages, someone's reading to you. Mm-hmm. Hold on. You're going to, oh gosh, before, before, you're gonna, it's like 10 weeks of listening. Yeah, not a problem. Uh, like as, as a full-time job. You can totally do it. <laughs> You can totally, totally. Do. Oh, 10 weeks straight of audio? 
like straight, not straight. I'm saying as a full time job, like oh, okay, a, okay. A, a normal <laughs> amount of listening every okay. day. Okay, uh, no. so no. so you'll love it though, and you'll wish there was more. And there is more. I don't know if that if Randy's numbers even count that new looking. I was counting the one between the one the wind through the keyhole. Yeah, the name of the book. I, I love, was counting mm, that. It's real good too, by the way. That just came out. Well. A couple years ago. Five years ago. Yeah. Was it five? Oh, my gosh. Yes. Time yeah. is flying too fast. Right. Uh, all right. The long, oh, I mentioned, had to mention here long fades. Uh, Kubrick was really into those, and I'd forgotten what those were like. Just long fade, cross fades between scenes or people or whatever. And he would mix that with, like, on the one hand, it would be a driving car and then a long cross fade to him walking into mm-hmm. the hotel. And mm-hmm. then later, you'd have these sudden, usually punctuated by music non-fade just stop go to black and then yeah. the word tuesday right and i With felt like junk yeah, yeah and that stuff felt new uh then and i think it may you know again you see that all the time now this kind of stuff i think he was probably ahead of his time on that stuff i feel like oh, yeah. i feel like kubrick for all his weirdness you know the dude's considered a genius for some reason so i you know got to give the guy cred where we can all right, we're going to take a brief break. And we'll be right back with clips. Well, hello there, everyone. Talk for a minute about Casper, one of my favorite retailers of any kind. They're an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price. And uh, they're bringing you Film Sack today. They're revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and showrooms and passing that savings directly to you, the customer. Their mattresses are obsessively engineered at a very fair price. Casper's made of supportive memory foams and a sleep surface with just the right sink and bounce. Plus, a breathable design sleeps cool to help you regulate your temperature through the night. Breathable design sleeps cool, and that's cool. Uh, I love mine. I have one. Did I tell you about that before? I probably have. I sleep on a Casper mattress every day, and I love it. I get so much great rest. I feel better in the morning. Even when the temperatures are rising and the air conditioner's not on, the bed's not flaming hot. I feel like I get up cool and refreshed. I love my Casper mattress. You can try sleeping on one yourself because it's completely risk-free. They understand the importance of truly trying out a mattress. Uh, that in reality, you're going to spend like a 30-year life on this thing, right? So it needs to be good. They offer a free delivery and painless returns within a 100-day period. Wow, 100 days. You don't have to lie down in some showroom. The mattresses are made in the USA, free shipping and returns in the US and Canada. And you can save an additional $50 off a mattress by going to casper.com slash filmsack and enter the promo code filmsack. Take it from me. These are awesome. That's casper.com slash filmsack. And the code FilmSack. Terms and conditions may apply. Uh, let's do some uh, some clips here. I got some clips for you fine gentlemen. Uh, let's do the clips. I didn't get too many despite the length because honestly there's a lot of silent moments in the movie or a lot of just music mm-hmm. and looking and oh, yeah. things. Yeah, you've been playing clips for the last hour actually. Yeah, it's true. Uh, but it's here's here's the this clip is called uh, <laughs> Would Ibbit Have Said It Better? That's what I wrote here. All right. So here you go. You really want to go and live in that hotel for the winter? I don't even know what the kid said. Oh, yeah. Take two, everybody. Take two. So the trivia the trivia on IMDb also says that uh, Danny Lloyd used did his finger thing mm-hmm. 
in the audition. Like it wasn't, I guess they're saying that he came up with Tony being a little talking finger that lives in his mouth. Oh, what, cause in <laughs> and your, that he did that in the audition. So in your audition, you didn't do that. What'd you do? I didn't do that. I, I just talked. You talked to your, <laughs> talk to your Willie. I just answered the questions that they gave me. And apparently that was not enough. I needed to do something with my finger. Apparently. You should have made your move, your wiener move. That would have been funny. <laughs> hmm. Well, Maybe I did. <laughs> Maybe I did. There lips in my mouth. Here's uh, the red rum kid again talking. Oh, I hate that so much, dude. I, <laughs> I hate his voice Sorry. that he uses for that. It's so bad. I don't even know what he's... I don't even know what he says there. Something to Mrs. Torrance. Yeah. Uh, here's what Jack wants. The only thing that can get a bit trying up here during the winter is a uh, tremendous sense of isolation. And the ghost. Well, that just happens to be exactly what I'm looking for. I'm, uh, I'm outlining a new writing project, and uh, five months of peace is just what I want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's some I need to really work on seven thousand pages of all work and no play. <laughs> Makes Jack the boy that that Shelley Duvall that, can go page by page through and say, "Oh nope, this yeah, one doesn't have it. Nope, 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 this, this one is. This one is." Wasn't that a painful scene watching her clip of those? I, I I know there's people out there who love this film, but didn't that entire clip sound like Jack Nicholson was trying to remember his lines? Maybe a little. I think he did great uh, later. I don't know. He delivers lines like uh, like I think people talk. I think he doesn't. He never sounds like he's acting to me. Yeah. Right. According like, to okay. the trivia, there were so many rewrites that he literally learned the line <laughs> moments before it. the scene. Maybe that's it. That could be. Uh, uh, okay. I always like his style. Uh, here's a. Oh, here's that second voice again. Tony, do you think Dad'll get the job? He already did. Ugh. He's gonna phone Wendy up in a few minutes to tell her. Ugh. Gosh dang it, kid, stop it. Ugh. It <laughs> drives me crazy. I know it's supposed to be creepy, but it just irritates me. Um uh what's this? I don't know what this is. Now Danny, can you remember what you were doing? Just before you started brushing your teeth. We caught a cheating. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot I made that. Sorry. Oh, that was great. Thank you. Yeah, Jackie okay. Chan makes oh. an appearance on today's film sack. Here's a big trope. When was the overlook built? Uh, construction started in 1907. It's finished in 1909. The site is supposed to be located on an Indian burial ground, and I believe they actually had to repel a few Indian attacks as they were building it. Yeah. Now, were they, how, I mean, this was a common thing then, or was that trope new? Like the idea that Indian burial, burial grounds are going to be haunted and mess you up? Right. It was just a layer. I think, because they didn't really use much of it. I mean, they had like a, a some kind of Navajo drapery on the wall, but it's just for layering, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably true. But just this idea that you're on a burial ground, so dumb. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just I just looked it up. Um all of the examples are Pet Cemetery, Poltergeist, Jeremiah Johnson. Like mm-hmm. all the examples of Indian burial ground come from basically the same sources. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Stephen King, damn it. Amityville Horror, The Evil Dead. Oh, really? <laughs> I didn't know Amityville Horror was on an Indian burial ground. I think I knew that Evil Dead was, but it seems like they were having fun with it. Like it was just a funny idea yeah. for them, or at least Amityville a joke. Horror. Uh, the house is built on a ground where Indians had sent their crazy people to die. Oh, 
Oh, uh, wow. Crazy Indian burial ground. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so it's like up a notch. <laughs> yeah. And their worst and their worst house flies. That's where they went today. Yeah. Uh, right. This is the great deflection. Great deflection, I wrote. Yeah. What's up, Doc? <laughs> <laughs> now, this is the story. He's like, all right, moving on. Because he didn't want yeah, to say got, why he knew he the got kid's busted. Name. Yeah. yeah, he got busted knowing Doc's name. Yeah, it annoyed, yeah. It annoyed me. Uh, here's what uh, Ibbett had for dinner at prom. This is according to his mom. Uh, she just sent this over because we're always looking for, you know, some sure. flashbacks about your well, prom course, days. You know, it's uh, right. It's what yeah. we do. Uh, here you go. This is what you had for dinner that night. Now we got dried peaches, dried apricots, dried raisins, and dried prunes. It's a lot of dried food you had. Dried it, raisins and dried prunes. <laughs> and a, little, that, a dried old man talking about dry, it. I'm sorry. <laughs> dried dried raisins and dried prunes is redundant or yeah. he's right. saying redried raisins which is weird yeah it's like saying i it? need to go to no what's it what's the atm phrase people always use yeah no, no, atm machine atm, ATM machine, machine which is redundant yeah it's like saying automated teller machine machine <laughs> for yeah. me it's pantsuit i just can't stand <laughs> pantsuit suits well, that's have not pants. redundant oh, suits okay. have pants it's like saying sleeve suit is different is it? <laughs> Every suit I've ever owned is a pantsuit, Brian. If no, you own, you own suits. You own suits. <laughs> With pantsuit pants. is like when it's, I think a pantsuit, isn't that when it's like a onesie, basically? <laughs> oh, I don't you know. know. I don't like even, even less descriptive things like my dishwasher. Yeah. It also does silverware like and Florence glasses. Henderson, Florence Henderson wore pantsuits all the time on uh, the Brady Bunch. At least that's what I'm thinking. No, a pair of pants right, right. and a matching jacket worn by women. So uh, you don't own any pantsuits. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe we've learned something. A woman wears a suit. I wear a suit. Play toy. Yeah. You play toy. There you go. Oh, that thing is just a play toy. It's like, no, it's a toy. Uh, All right. There's like a thousand Hillary Clinton pantsuit images. Oh, yeah, no. (laughs) Somebody's got a rainbow shot where Hillary Clinton is wearing every color of the rainbow pantsuit. She was really into those. Still is, as far as we know. Here's uh, I don't know what this is. I'm not supposed to. Oh, he says I'm supposed to, and I wanted to punch him. I'm not supposed to. I assume they told him to say that, but come on. Yeah. Come on. Just let him say I'm not supposed to. Paschetti. Yeah, (laughs) Paschetti. Like kids do, you know? (laughs) Um, Always making saying things wrong, dumb kids. Here's uh, when they say the name of the movie. I guess you could say the Overlook Hotel here has something about it that's like shining. The shining. (laughs) You get the shining. Uh, let's see. Oh, the newsman cracked me up. So, Brian, first of all, was all the news people and stuff, they were all real? Hal and Charlie are real. I don't know about David Grinkman or whatever his name was. Uh, mm. um, on the, but that was Miami. Right? Oh, that was right. In the, that right. was in the Naked Love Palace. You're right. Scatman's Naked Love Scatman's Palace, love where, palace. <laughs> where no matter which way you're facing in that room, you can right. see boots. Yep, that's right. And like, so when he brings babes home, he he jumps in a filing cabinet and then jumps out and goes, Hong Kong Fui! Yep, exactly. <laughs> there you doubt that there was a mirror on the ceiling, yeah. we just couldn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> Everything was velvet. Sure, why not? Right. Um, well, here's this news guy cracked me up because the lady's talking to him about the weather and his response just made me laugh. So here you go. Sunny, it's so beautiful here in Denver today. It's hard to believe a snowstorm could be that close. I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I don't know about that. I did, that I don't, I don't recognize that. We used to have a guy named Stormy Rotman oh. who was the oh, uh, the wow. weather guy. Oh, really? How was he? Stormy Rotman. He's dead. He's oh. he was he was he seemed like he was ninety years old. He was doing the weather yeah. back then, and uh, 
It's God. funny you how, a, like, a 35, a, like, even in this, you look at Jack Nicholson, you go, man, look how old Jack Nicholson is. He's 40. Nah. In, yeah, this movie. in this movie, we do have a helicopter traffic woman named Amelia Earhart, and she apparently Aww. is a descendant of Amelia Earhart. Wow, nice! Uh, ja- and Jack Nicholson at forty made Shelley Duvall look nineteen. I didn't, I didn't like that pairing. <laughs> but I'll tell you, I was just, I, I was disturbed by the local TV newscast because mm-hmm. I grew up with three channels on the television: two VHF, one UHF, mm-hmm. and we watched the nightly news every night. And there ain't no way the local news is talking about something going on in Colorado. Not ever, mm. ever. Mm. If there had been a disaster of 9-11 proportions, the local news would have been overridden by the world news going for an extra half hour. The local news would have been talking about somebody's pet hamster. Yeah. Never something going on seven states away it's still true i think that i don't think i think you're right i think that's not something they would bring up but you know whatever that storm seemed pretty bad they went from like no precipitation no snow at all to by the time they were crawling out of that window the snow was up to the bathroom window on like the fourth floor of the hotel which is (laughs) nuts um here's oh i wrote here this is what i wrote more like dick nicholson's what i wrote okay so here you go we're gonna make a new rule remember i'm in here you hear me typing whether you don't hear me typing, what the f*** you hear me doing in here when I'm in here, that means that I am working. That means don't come in. What a bastard, man. Just like, jeez yeah. Louise. I feel it's, bad it's, for all it's, of It's uh, being a dick combined with some brilliant mansplaining. That's right. This is right. what typing sounds like. Yeah. Tick, 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 tick. Very mansplaining. Oh, and uh, I forgot to mention, this is the exact same year Popeye came out. So she was both Olive Oil oh, and really? Wendy in the same year. Yeah crazy oh and trivia said that robin williams was considered for the role of jack oh i can see that oh come on now i really? can totally see that totally have you seen one hour photo holy shit oh that's true that's true yeah. i mean then that would be the great balance like when he's going crazy yeah 1980 uh, wow. may have been 80 would have been too early maybe right I think so for his career like he's too goofy back right. then but you, i don't know you, moscow on the hudson was back then and that's not true moscow. there was another uh, one there was another serious world one. according to garth world according to garth that's what garth. yeah exactly garth yeah garth yeah, world yeah. according to garth i would watch garth. that like yeah. garth from wayne and garth <laughs> i'd better. watch that yeah um i hate overtalk and this is a re- direct reference to brian ibbett's opening so here you go hi how are you folks getting on up there over oh we're just fine but our telephones don't seem to be doing too well. Are the lines down by any chance? Over. Yes, quite a few of them are down due to the storm. Over. All right, it's I it's painful. <laughs> I we get it. Yeah, it's like uh, over. If there's a pause, why don't you just start talking? <laughs> yeah, you can tell the end of my damn sentence. You don't need me to tell you over. Yeah, it's just I don't know. Plus, so stilted. Their conversation is just so like. We're doing just fine. Oh, she's from she's from right. Texas, but I couldn't tell if she was doing a good Texas accent or not. Mm. But she's from there. She was born in Texas. That's funny, Randy. You no, know. is it, it? It just seems like um. Oh crap! What was I going to say about that? The over. Uh, do you do you inflect? So if you're if you're asking a question, and your things uh your your the end of your question is going up, like are the lines right, down? Right. Do you right. do the same inflection on the word over? No, or do you right. say over? Uh, <laughs> yeah, what do you do? She went I, over. Like, come on, man! I are the lights down? I grew over. up. <laughs> I grew up around CB radios. My grandparents had a CB radio at home and in the truck. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, I don't know, man. I don't remember 
any of this over nonsense. People just, just spoke, yeah. like yeah. on the phone. Yeah. We did, we did, we did do some, I was saying, I grew up ham radios, uh, CBs, that kind of stuff. Generally, most of, you would say, okay, so if you had like two or three things to say, you would say them all at once, and then you might finish it with an over, but you wouldn't sure. like have, oh, how are you doing? Over. I am fine. How are you? Over. Yeah. You I, I remember po- people who were doing business doing that, like police right. yeah, dispatch would do that because they had to be really clear that they had finished speaking. Yeah. Because there was there was business involved, but when someone was just talking to someone else in a different truck, you just right. yeah. How's the weather? There's over. an a, there's mm-hmm. an efficiency mm-hmm. to that that I could understand in law enforcement. But when we had one on we had one on our boat when we were in Lake Powell and stuff, mm-hmm. and you talk to other boats, and there was never come back over over and out like none of that. It didn't exist. We just said, hey, where have we you didn't guys have been? To- this problem on convoy, did we? Well, you'd say, did you guys go to the marina yet? That sounds like a question and a pause to me, so I'm going to answer it now. <laughs> It's not a hard right. thing to do. Anyway, here's uh, well, yeah, okay. So here's what when you were in Vegas, Brian, you ordered this drink. Hair of the dog that bit me. Mm. Absolutely, mm. every morning. Oh yeah. You don't you don't ease out of a hangover with aspirin. You ease out of it with more alcohol. Yep. Mm-hmm. Here's uh the kid again. And he's not here, Mrs. Torrance. Ugh. Uh, there's that, and then there's oh, I heard this every morning uh at home. When I was uh, watching Saturday morning cartoons for my mom. Now I want you to just stay here and watch your cartoons, okay? Every Saturday. Meep meep meep. <laughs> and they had a great <laughs> song going in the background. That Roadrunner song. I'd forgotten that existed. It was kind of bad, right, right. actually, but very. And I, I really was disappointed that they didn't at least like do a Hong Kong Fui thing yeah. with Scatman in there because he was the voice. Yeah, he yeah. was. So, That's right, he was. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's I was why also I, shocked. I, I I also went down a rabbit hole with uh with that. It only lasted for like a season. I thought Hong Kong Fui like lasted like twelve seasons or something, but it was a it was, it was really short quick run. It was short and not very. I think at the time didn't do very well, but it's beloved. Like you and Tom Merritt should talk. He he thinks that's his favorite oh, cartoon yeah. as a kid. He it's loves a great it. cartoon. Uh, when Doctor, I wrote. You think maybe he should be taken to a doctor. When do you think maybe he should be taken to a doctor? He's such a butthole in this. I, love, I do really like that. Like him mimicking her and his over-exaggeration in that scene. I, I don't know. The waving of the baseball bat doesn't bother me. I think that's a, I think that's a, very, scary, yeah. a very scary scene. But I don't know if you noticed yeah. that Shelley Duvall, when she runs and she's carrying the knife, mm. she runs like a marionette. Oh, yeah. We saw she your dies. thing in Slack, and I, and I didn't really think about it until you said that. So for the rest of my viewing, it's all I could think about. And she totally does, dude. She totally does. You just imagine some strings holding her arms up. Because <laughs> her arms are always out, way out here. And yeah, it's like yeah, watching. It's, like watching... it's amazing she didn't cut her own head off yeah. while she was running. Right. It's like Team that's America nice. or something. It's she's, crazy. No, she's no Steven Seagal running. But <laughs> right. Oh, that's true. Her, that's true. She's out there. Yeah. But oh, she's good. That. Now, I'll tell you another thing, too. If you can't fit Shelly Duvall through a bathroom window, I think she's small. <laughs> It is too. That should be. Yeah. It should be your minimum. I don't understand that. I was just like, kick the window out. Yeah. I I, I realize that she's being portrayed as also being kind of weak, kind of small and weak, but there's. She had all the time in the world to get that window out of the frame. Yep. She totally could have gotten out. I don't know why she didn't. I think she. I think it was already small enough anyway. Hor- they just, Hor- it was like one of those jail cells yeah. where you can tell you could fit through the bars, but you don't go through them. Like, right, right. that's what that was like. Uh, here's your red rum and the kid losing it. Red rum, red rum, 
Red rum! Oh. Red rum! Now I'm the kid, and now I'm yelling it. I'm not the freaking weird voice anymore. And here's the classic yell from Jack Nicholson himself. He forgot. <laughs> he was just starting to wind down and, you know, ready to freeze. Oh, my. I thought that was Sylvester Stallone. Are you sure you didn't get your clips mixed up? Positive. Positive. <laughs> it does sound like he's yelling for Adrian. <laughs> and she would make a pretty quick, good Adrian, so if you had to. Right. That, that quick cut at the very end when they cut to him being frozen is just so abrupt. Mm-hmm. You're like, am I seeing what I think I'm seeing? Are we, are we done? Yeah. Are we done with the story? Yeah, it's super intense. Right. Totally right. Um, there's your clips. That's your clips, everybody. That means it's time for The film sack checklist goes like this. All work and no play make Jack a psycho killer bastard. Check. Uh, grandma boobs in the tub. Check. And finally, that part with Michael Shannon as the bartender was cool. Yeah. Check. Yeah. <laughs> Brian knows what I'm talking about. Um, Star Trek stuff. There were more than 130 people in this thing uh, that were involved in this production, and none of them did anything with Star Trek ever. Wow. That's crazy. There's got to be some overlap. I looked and looked and looked, even though Daryl also says this. I couldn't Mm -hmm. find anything. If anyone else out there can find some connection to Star Trek, be our guest, because I could not find it. Uh, Soundtrack grade, I'd give it an RG for really good. I think it holds up. Uh, The beginning has some synthy stuff that I think is kind of weird and not good, but the, the all the intensity stuff is really, really Intense. effective. Yeah. Oh, oh, we didn't even talk about the sound transfer on this thing. What happened, Netflix? Mm-hmm. Everything's like two seconds mm-hmm. behind or something. The the sync was way off. I got to wear a milliseconds. I it, I didn't even notice it after. I, five I got minutes. to wear, mine was mine was so far off. I got to where I was not. I was forcibly not looking at the mouths. Yeah. Oh if wow! People were speaking, wow, that's I bad. would look. I would look like at their hair and stuff while mm-hmm. they were speaking. Yeah. Because it was so far off, it was jarring. What what, what of, device were you using? Uh, Randy, to watch uh, this. X- Xbox One yeah. and Xbox One. and my Vizio television and right. Scott. Uh, I I have I have made sure <laughs> that I that I put a delay in the television settings. I'm not blaming because, you. And then I went in and turned <laughs> off that delay just to make sure. Yeah. Right. Uh, wow. But actually, that made it worse. I'm yeah. just so, doing a survey because he used different technologies to play this stuff back. Uh, I, R- Scott, what was mine's you using? on? Was on a well on a Mac because I'm doing all the capture stuff. So mine was on right. a browser. Safari, Chrome. No, Chrome. Chrome. Yeah. Chrome. Ibit. Uh, mine was a an Apple TV, fourth generation, um, and a uh, Samsung TV. Yeah, interesting. So you're going gonna to get back to us on uh, no. what, the tech support call we're having? No, I'm, I'm curious you because I, I watched it. I'm curious <laughs> because I watched squad. it. Right. I'm curious because I watched it uh, on PlayStation 4, yeah. and I didn't really see what you guys were saying. And But I did play it on a, in a browser in Chrome. And I saw a little bit there, so oh, I was just Ryan, Ibit, I I just want you to know your television's going to kill you. Oh, yeah, because it's, it's a Samsung. Yeah. yeah, it's going to murder you someday. Yeah, someday it'll kill oh, you. God. Right now, it's filming you and listening to you, but later it will kill you. So you, you no, don't right also drive a, the microwave. Yeah, you don't happen Shoot. to also drive a Toyota truck, do you? I don't. Hey, I I need to run and grab the doorbell. Tina's gone, and I think she's expecting something. Hold yeah, on. Do it. No do it. Run. Go grab it. Go grab it. Uh, I hope. I hope it's not Danny. No, probably not. <laughs> It's I heard you wanted my. I heard you wanted my job. <laughs> in my show notes about uh, about this movie, first of all, Secretary Susie. Mm. Uh, oh yeah. Wow, they she just they just ran her over, man. I mean, first thing they do when they when he comes in the office, it's like, oh, Susie, I'll get you some coffee. And then later on, Susie's like retrieving the kid. Yep. She's like the <laughs> right, every yeah. lady. Yep. 
Big check in the bucket, yeah, too. This, she was barely this, there. This movie was was made before a certain time. Mm. And, uh, like, just to, across the board, you know, men... I, I, you might ask yourself in 2017, how is she staying married to this guy? Like, right, right. haunting or not, he's a horrible human being that no woman should accept being married to well but, and, but none of this came and didn't any none of this came out till they got there though right mm. like, no, no, well there was, a, there was a brief flash before <laughs> then because he hurt danny prior when, when he was an alcoholic oh yeah, there was something. i yeah. forgot about that yeah no yeah. you're right he had some yeah 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 there's been some but, issues you're right he had but some then demons. You, you realize this is old this is just old this is how you, you told stories like this. If you went back in time and said to Stanley Kubrick, you know, you're really making the women into butt monkeys, he would be like, so? <laughs> butt <laughs> monkeys. It, yeah, Stephen King actually complained about that, said that, uh, that Shelley Duvall's character was one of the most misogynist characters he had, had ever mm-hmm. been on film, yeah. ever. She, she, he tends to make pretty tough ladies in his books. And right, he I've does. always enjoyed that. The, they're not always protagonists so much, as, but they're you know, supporting characters and stuff are really good. He's always was that a, Danny Burleson at the uh, door? Ibit? Yeah, who, it wasn't out of his FedEx. Oh, darn it. Right. I was really hoping that Doc came by to give you some heat. Right. <laughs> uh, let's great. get to the uh, the Twitter post, shall we? This is where in 140 characters or less, you guys sum up this damn thing. Let's start with Randy. The Shining. Yet another Native American burial ground provides yet another series of scares. Full frontal nudity never looks so shiny. Get it? The Shining was the naked lady. I'm glad this is over. <laughs> Nicely done. Also, uh, Brian Dunaway is next up there, right the, there. Uh, yep. The Shining, like shoving popcorn down your pants. You'll be thinking about it for decades. <laughs> I could really use some floss. <laughs> wow. Popcorn up. Right. Man, I'll be thinking about your Twitter post for decades. Yeah, I'm, I can't. That's all I can think about right now. So now we'll have a, a, cleanse, a cleanse from Brian Ibbett. The Shining. Good thing I didn't get the part because this movie would have really f***ed me up. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. Nice. You like that, people at home? Bleep! You like that? Uh, all right. Let's, uh, oh, oh, look, right just now, this was just handed to me. Uh, this movie had two alternate titles that didn't get chosen. First was Blood in an Elevator. Nah. And the other was Red Rum, she wrote. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Come on, that's pretty good. It's pretty good. That's really, pretty really good. good. That's that's good. A, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like murder, you know, but the other way. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Doc Mysterio wrote in, says this. Hey, guys, this is an email we get here at uh, filmsack at gmail.com. Says, hey, guys, Doc Mysterio here. I've listened to your episode about Escape from New York, and Randy's comment about government giving a city to criminals compelled me to write. One sample of this comes to mind. The recent video game, soon-to-be movie, starring Jake Gyllenhaal, Tom Clancy's The Division. I forgot they were working on that. Um, Mm. In the video game, the government quarantines Manhattan due to a virus outbreak and various criminal gangs take over what feels like a very Escape from New York-themed game, worth a play if you get the chance. Question, is there a story behind why Kurt Russell and John Carpenter worked on so many movies together? Anyway, just keep sacking Doc Mysterio. Uh, Well, first of all, to address the other thing, fictionally, yes, there's this idea of let's cordon off a city and make it the prison. But I don't right. know of any examples of, of uh, this. Australia. Well, <laughs> yeah, but it went the other way, didn't it? It became a society and thrived right, in the right, end. Right. Whereas could have gone either way, though. Could have been prison. Right. That's true. <laughs> but it was originally, you know, where the queen would banish the worst of the worst, and now it's not that. Now it's, it's not a good place to land, you glider. <laughs> 
So well, well done. Yes. So we've talked about this a lot before, but when it's like Woody Allen and Mia Farrow or Quentin Tarantino and Samuel L. Jackson, they love each other. Mm-hmm. Like that's clearly the answer to this question. These these are people who have a real relationship, you know, yeah. uh, Tim Burton and Johnny Depp. You just know they call each other on the phone when they're not making a movie together. Mm-hmm. There's, yeah. no, there's no doubt about you it. You see this, this loyalty. This- you see this loyalty all the time. It's it's like Tom Hanks and, um, uh, you know, Spielberg are always trying to do something together. It's not always in his movies, although that has happened. But sometimes it's it's co-producing uh, stuff for yeah. HBO or doing some other thing I- like. I you know. will. I will bet you that Nathan Fillion and uh, Joss Whedon go on vacation to Ibiza together. Mm-hmm. Like they just, they love each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's it. I think you just find you you work with somebody. You're like, man, we're this is great. We should keep doing this, and then you keep doing that. So mm-hmm. I think it makes sense. I, I I think that relationship turned out some pretty good material as well. The Kurt Russell John Carpenter. I mean, I just watched yeah. Kurt Russell two nights ago in Guardians of the Galaxy two. And he was fantastic it in. in it. Fantastic in it. He's really I'm great. Seeing three hours. Oh, sweet. Okay. Well, we should be done by then. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I can watch the shining between now. Yeah. I got totally so good. many. I got so many more examples. Ron Howard and Tom Hanks. Yeah. Uh, Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg. Yeah. Like it's just this is this the is how it goes. goes on the list goes on mm-hmm. yeah I I uh, I think it's great I always like a good collaboration and I like when it mm-hmm. carries over to multiple projects and you know like. Um, Tom Hardy and um, uh, Inception guy. Uh, oh, whose name? I'm... Uh, 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 Christopher Nolan. Christopher Nolan. Is sure, he, those would be he, going. Is he out. in that new? Yeah. Uh, is he in that new Dunkirk deal? He's in Dunkirk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I I saw the new trailer for that, and I'm pretty sure he's because they didn't show him for the whole trailer except this one shot in a German plane. So I'm pretty sure he's like a bad guy in this, and I could not be oh, more excited about awesome. it. Awesome. Yeah, stoked. Yeah. And you know what? That, sometimes it's sometimes it's threesomes. Yeah. Uh, Wes Anderson, Owen Wilson, and Bill Murray. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There I'll you bet go. you. Mm. I'll bet you those three people are sick of each other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of them has a really annoying broken nose. You can't look at it for too long. That I can tell you. Uh, well, uh, next week our movie is what? I don't know. What is it? Oh, got it right here. Next week we are going to watch Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Oh my oh, lord! Nice. Oh, so wow. we are going from a classic horror classic of 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 incredible significance to a shit a sequel to an already questionable original. But I don't I can't care. wait to finish it. Yeah, we're yes. going to finish it. Crazy fact: Mortal Kombat Annihilation is now twenty years old. <laughs> oh my gosh, dude! Amazing. The other day, somebody had said. Was that 98? Yeah, because, well, 97, I guess. Uh, we're we're a little less than a year away from 20-year anniversaries for uh, Half-Life 1, uh, 20 years for StarCraft, 20 years for a multitude wow. of, of games and entertainment that, 20 years. Windows 98 will be 20 years old next year. Think of that! <laughs> that means my, my usage of MP3s, which led to podcasting, Nearly 20 years old since the first MP3 I downloaded and went, whoa, I can make these? That's, That's a big cool. deal. That's a big deal. Holy shit. Huge. All right. Anyway, uh, so That's come cool on back for that. Old. Yeah, come yeah. back for that. Mortal Kombat, Total Annihilate. Wait, no. Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Right? <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, which annihilated the sequels for that film. So there you go. Um, but I'm excited because you got your Carrie, uh, what's his name? Carrie, uh, the Japanese guy. Uh, uh, 
man in high castle awesome dude we love him he was in uh, other stuff uh pff, shit carrie whatever yeah. his name is harry carrie no. i don't i don't a, know um Carrie the film was directed by John Leonetti, and uh, the guy, the the main character, is played by Robin Shaw. So, uh, well, know. it's not the main guy. He plays he plays Shang- James Remar is in this movie. Shang Sung. Oh wow! Just when you think you've had enough James Remar. Nope, never. James Shang Sung, <laughs> played by in the film. Hold on, Carrie Harioki oh. Tagawa. That guy. Oh. Carrie, his name is not Carrie Harioki. It's Carrie. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> Carrie. It's Carrie Hiriyuki. Okay. Tagawa. And you know him. You'll see him and go, oh, that guy. Yeah, oh, yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. No, I know. I love him. Call him let, can we call him Harry Karaoke? Harry Karaoke. Harry Karaoke Tagawa is amazing. Is that okay? Yes, it's okay. It's better than okay. It's right. It's good and right. Um, all right. Anyway, that's next week. Come back for that. Filmsack.com is our website. You can email us like that dude up there did at filmsack at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at Filmsack. And as always, leave us a review wherever you do get your podcast. That helps us in great ways. That's going to do it for us, for me, for Brian, for Brian, and for Randy. Mm. We'll see you next time. We'll see you next time. We'll see you next time. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Yes. Get more at frogpants.com. I'm not supposed to. Come on, kid. Go back, go back to school.